Dotnet Rocks episode 719 with guest Dr. Neil Rudin. Recorded live Wednesday, November 9th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. This is Carl Franklin. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Uh, we're going to take you to a discussion we had with Dr. Neil Rudin about his work with Connect and Surface and tablets and smartphones and all that stuff that we recorded at Dev Connections live from the Grape City booth. Grape City, one of our sponsors. But first I need to tell you that Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free developer training that's comprehensive. Uh, they have over 180 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, such as guests on this show. They release 8 to 10 new courses every month. And like I said, there's a full 10-day free trial, 200 minutes. And in addition to a full curriculum covering WPF programming, they also have comprehensive training on Windows Phone 7, iOS, and Android development. So check it out. Just 30 bucks a month after your trial is up. Pluralsight.com. All right, now let's get to the interview with Dr. Neil. Hey, welcome to .NET Rocks from the Great City Booth. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We're here at Connections in the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, right here at the very beginning, you know, the very entrance to the exhibit hall. Yep. Uh, this is fun. Oh, they yeah. got big posters with our faces on them. Yeah, yeah my, a bit scary, actually. Yeah, so I'm, I'm afraid my face is frightening <laughs> okay, me. Okay, they're very scary. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was trying to be kind to you. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> of course, we're here with Dr. Neil Rudin. It's been a while since you've been on our show. Hi. Hi. Yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? Probably Where you over, been? Yeah. Oh, I've been doing real work, you know. Glad <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> somebody good, is. <laughs> good answer. Well, you know, you've, you, you, you're, uh, you guys made the rounds uh, after... Uh, I guess it was after Build, or maybe it was even before Build, but you were, right. you've been doing some great work with Connect and showing Surface, Connect, and Metro, and all this great stuff. Tell us about this video that is going around the internet that you're associated with, and then yeah. tell us about the project. So the, the video, is, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about the seamless computing video, right? Yes. which is where we have... Uh, the scenario is, is an architect an architectural company um, and it was really designed around that scenario for you know an architectural company to be able to integrate all the devices that they have in a meeting room space right and those devices might be things that come out of your pocket they might be a phone they might be something you're holding in your hand like a slate device or a tablet um, or they might be the digital table or a projected wall or touch screens that are that are up on on the walls as well but it's specific to a meeting space so yeah we've really focused on how to enhance meeting room spaces and how to really enable a much more collaborative interaction between people in the space you know so one of the things that we see a lot and you probably see this when you walk into any large enterprise you walk into a meeting everyone flips open their laptops right. and disengages from the meeting absolutely right and so our view is what we want to do is shut those laptop lids and get people engaging in a way in content that's either on the table on the walls in their devices that's relevant to the meeting yeah mm -hmm. that enables the meeting to go faster 
enables more interaction in the meeting. You know, the, the problem is in a lot of meetings, they just turn into a presentation. Someone opens their laptops, right. plugs in the VGA cable, projects out a bunch of slides, starts talking. Ten minutes in, you're like, oh, I've got this email to do. I'll ignore him for a minute. Yeah. So what we want to do is say, you know, we don't want a meeting to run that way. We want, if you're going to bring up a slide, bring up the slide deck on the table and let's have a conversation around it. And then, yeah. oh, I've got some images that I took on site yesterday on my phone. Let's flick those onto the table and see how they connect into that piece of the so conversation. People still bringing devices to the meeting, right. but then it, using the meeting room integrates with their devices to, right. to yeah. En yeah. engage them more. You know, I, we've done... Uh, project planning and uh, uh, design meetings for applications using OneNote that way. We were projecting, but it, the, the, it was OneNote's ability to have two laptops associated with it, with a given document. So everybody could see you the document. You can do more than two. You can do a whole bunch. Yeah, and, and yeah. everybody could actually contribute to the document. So we, right. we had the lap. But again, I, my problem was when the laptops were up, there's something about that screen there that was yeah. a problem. Yeah. And that's why I started using... It's the, a physical barrier. I started using those... Uh, those uh, um, I'm the only guy. The, the tablets, the, right, the, right. the motion computing tablet, because I could lay it down. Exactly and right. That changes really the social important. dynamics. It, it totally changes the social... I mean, Carl knows this. Uh, in fact, the first time I met Carl, I was working with the tablet PC team in Redmond. Mm -hmm. And the, the dynamics in a meeting room totally changes when instead of people having laptops that flip open, they have slate devices. Right, yeah. Because the slate device goes down, there's no physical barrier. I'm right. looking at in your face right yeah. i'm not looking at the screen typing and then looking up occasionally to try and engage with you well it's, even when you i mean you have to look down on the slate occasionally to make a right. note or write something down and so forth but it, yeah this it's is, more it, open it's more open and but I'm not, it's also know. what you're what you're doing when right. you have that laptop open like i think what you said at the beginning people are checking their email yeah they're buying concert tickets they're doing anything to just take them out of the meeting because the what they're working on is not connected to what's being discussed and also they can't engage right it's right. you know they hear this thing going on here but there's nothing they can do about it. So they might as well just let themselves listen and carry on doing what right. they've got to do. Yeah, right. It's, it's ironic that it's especially to actually engage. It's ironic that it's especially the people who are bright, you know, that have the most to contribute to a meeting who get bored the easiest. Right. Who need that sort of engagement that you're talking exactly about. Exactly right. Yeah. And you need to be able to enable interaction for everyone. Yeah. And so one of our focuses over the last few years has really been what we call multi-user single screen. So... We have these bigger and bigger screens available, you mm -hmm. know. Right. You get a 60-inch touchscreen with 40 points of touch on it. Yeah. People are putting them into meeting room spaces and then using them as projected screens. It's crazy. Let's yeah. use these things as something that actually people, you can get five people around actually doing stuff. So on it the has to be the table. It could be a table or it could be a large interactive whiteboard type scenario. Right. But the table as a piece of furniture is a very social piece of furniture. Yes. We sit around a table to have a meeting. Mm -hmm. So making the table something that contains digital content is actually a really smart thing to do. Right. right. That very that's a very profound thing. I mean, I'm a big believer in and you, you use this line too. It's like get some pizza, right? Like, right. right. Let's we, eat. we eat in front of the in the table, you know, that whole experience part of it. Yeah, so yeah, just collaborating on the, the table bread. I think is, is yeah. core. Especially when the meeting's going downhill. That's the time to bring in the pizza. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and the beer, right? Yeah, and the beer. So uh the thing that comes to mind as probably the barrier in this situation is, okay, everybody's got a tablet that we're working on. Now, what's preventing me from opening my email on the tablet? In other words, the software that we're running to get, let's just say that we're not, we don't have one screen. Let's say we have one screen, 
but we want to be able to contribute from our devices. Right. Um, and, and a tablet seem, with touch seems like a really good way to do that. So how do I get this? Do I get the software on the tablet or that, that, ever, that connects everybody? Or do you pass out tablets with stuff on it already when people walk into the room that they can use that doesn't have their email on it, that doesn't have people all that other stuff? People are doing different things. So there are, we, we are working with a couple of companies that are actually setting up a meeting room spaces that have digital tables, yeah. interactive whiteboards, projected screens, right. and a set of tablets in the room that yeah. are connected to the content in the room. Like it, seem, it, it seems to me, and just to carry this further that it would be great if I could just get the data off of right. my laptop rather than the, you know, the pictures that and are relevant. And guess what? The data that's that. on your laptop, if you're in an enterprise, is probably stored on a server somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's quite true. easy. So true. for an enterprise solution, it's actually not a huge problem. Yeah. The other thing is, that, so we do have a couple that are, are dedicating devices to a room. But the other thing is that within an enterprise scenario, we know those devices because they're on the network. Yeah. Right. Right. Because if you are working for company X, you're going to bring your device in, you're going to get it on company X network. You're not yeah. going to be totally disconnected. Sure. That would mm -hmm. be crazy. So then you've, you've got some relevance there. So we know, hey, Carl's walked in, Carl's on CorpNet. We know, you know, your ID. We actually can see using vision systems, mm. we can look at your device and see the asset tag on it. And that identifies it even further. Right. So it goes, we can drill down and say, oh, I know exactly what device it is now. Right, so we can use tagging system because most corporates asset tag all their devices as they yeah. hand them out. Right. So tell us about the video that went around, and you, we have the context, but the the, the construction, the, the the real estate, uh, all of that stuff was really fascinating to me. Tell us about the whole story. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, tell us about t walk us through what happens. Okay, so so in the, in the video, we we start off with a message received on the phone, which is received from another coworker about a property we're working on, and that property has we've made some orders for some interior furnishings, and some of those orders are not available. And in the example, we're talking about door handles. Door so handles. The door handles are not available. Um, so I put down the phone on my table. And it knows that it's my phone using a vision system, using asset tags, and it pulls out files relating to the conversation. So John, who has sent me the message on my phone, I put it down, I select him, and it pulls up on the table all the context-relevant data to the stuff I'm doing with John. It knows it's my phone, and it knows yeah. that it's John. So there's some connections there that we're yeah. already making. I can flick through those documents and find one of the properties that I'm working on with him. I can pull up then floor plans of that property and I can zoom into those floor plans. The next thing we do is uh, we enable me to take a, a mobile device like a tablet with a bigger screen than a phone. And, and you know, a phone is quite fiddly. You can't do things like floor plan manipulation and sure. stuff like that on a phone screen. So I pull out a tablet and I put the tablet down on the table and we do something called magic eye, which is we show a different layer of information. So we may see the, see the base blueprint on the table and we may see a furnish layer on the tablet. So as I move the tablet around, it's contextually smart enough to know where I am positioned on the blueprint and then show me the furnished layer on the tablet screen. It's like a magic magnifying glass. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and actually some of that work um, you know, came out of ideas that came out of MSR. So um, Bill Buxton's group Microsoft has been, Research. Microsoft Research, yeah. yeah. So Bill Buxton's group's been doing stuff with Magic Eye and playing around with those kind of ideas for a while. Um, 
And then we take the tablet, and if we wanted to then present something to people or do something in a larger room, like as a group, make some decisions, we can then take that information and project it up onto a big screen, mm -hmm. so onto a projected screen or an interactive whiteboard. Yeah. Um, and in this scenario, we're using Connect because Connect enables us to then use gestures to manipulate that space. So I can move around using my arms. I can actually move around that space. I can enter a, a building by just using a gesture to open the like doors of the swimming. building. Like yeah. A, yeah, well, it's kind of like, you know, open, move my hands apart and it will enter me into the building. Yeah. Um, and we're using voice as well. So, you know, I think a lot of people think of Connect as really a pure, you know, hand-waving gesture type exercise, but right. Connect has got this amazing microarray plugged in as well yeah. that really enhances the audio capabilities for us to get a rich enough input to do voice recognition. Yeah. So I can say, show me the floor plan, and it will bring up an overlay of the floor plan or hide the floor plan. Mm. Uh, I can uh, ask it to take me to certain rooms. So if the rooms are tagged in the floor plan, I can say, take me to the lounge, take me to the master bedroom. Yeah. And then it will, without me having to even work out how to navigate there, it will just take me to that space. How good is that microphone array? Like, if it's amazing. More people talk. If multiple people are talking, is it going to be able to pick out the right person? It's getting better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, in terms of being able, because the microarray knows where people are, right? Based on the, con I mean, this is all on the software side, right? right so, right. The Connect itself is is really just a set of sensors. Yes. Yeah. So then, it's what you do with that in your computer once mm -hmm. you're receiving this stream of data. Connect so, on the Xbox has all that great software behind it that we don't have on the PC is what you're saying, I think. Um, we actually have the ability to do a lot of it on the PC. Right. It, it's not out of the box, right. you know, an experience that you just plug Connect in and suddenly you get a Connect experience on yeah. your PC. Right. But there's an SDK that MSR right. released, uh, Microsoft Research released a few months back that really gives you the ability to switch all of those lights on. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get all of that happening. You know where people are. I can, if I had a connect here, which I do actually, but I could, you know, look at the three of us and I could say, there's three people here. Right. right. And then I can start taking some smart ideas as to maybe who's speaking. Um, you may want to initialize a conversation with a certain keyword and then you can focus in on that person. Right. And so then you can say, okay, we'll try and ignore everything else. Now, of course, it gets hard when you've got a lot of background noise. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about voice noise. It's when there's noisy rooms. That's actually quite yeah. easy to do. It, it deals yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, the hard thing is if you've got three people all trying to say something at the same time yeah. right. in the same area. But that's hard for a person listening, too. So right. that's only fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as you're telling me, the microphone, the, the, the gear is smart enough that once it's decided that you're speaking using the 3D camera to see it's you, there is some way the microphone can shape themselves. We hone in on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes 
and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. It's early stages, you know, I think people are very excited about Connect. Connect is doing some amazing things and certainly has been a very successful product for Microsoft. We have to remember it's version one. Yeah, yeah. it's a year old. Right. Like yeah. this week. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> this week it started shipping. Right. So uh, you know, yeah, it's it, only been a year. And and actually it's a year old in terms of Xbox Connect, but it's much younger than that in terms of what we can do with the, the SDK. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. only in the spring. Right. So, so um we were talking with Kathleen Dollard last night. And she was, you know, sort of saying that she thinks, and she tends to uh, put all her eggs in one basket. Like, yeah. everything else is irrelevant. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> but I think she was just enthusiastic about the Connect. That's correct. And um, in particular, when the resolution gets better so that I don't, you know, so that it takes less time between my gesture and the recognition, number one, and also so that I have more fine detail as to where I'm touching, you know, where I'm moving my yeah, hand. yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering about what kind of problem is that? Is that a compu- a computational problem? Is that a problem of not having enough processor uh, cycles? Is it a software problem? Um, what kind of... I don't know if you know the answer to this, yeah, but the I mean, those are yes. my questions. So, so, so it's the, all of the, those things. Yeah, the, there's lots of things you could do to make Connect more powerful. It would increase the price. Yeah. Right. right? So you could put an image processing chip in the Connect device, yeah, right, and do local processing. Yeah. Turn like, up the resolution of the 3D camera. I mean, it right. seems like they really stripped it down to get it to that $150 Absolutely. price point. Absolutely, and that's what that's what makes it so successful in right. many ways, right? right? You know, for under $200, you're going and buying yeah. something that adds eyes and ears to your computer. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know? And it still is one of the most fast, the fastest-selling gadget of all time. Consumer yeah. device, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe we're, maybe we'll just naturally see sort of professional versions of that well there already are i mean there, okay. there are much more high-priced different technologies not that connect are, they're, they're not connect but they're, they're they're similar and they do depth sensing and, and you, if you want to go and spend you know twenty thousand dollars you can buy something produced out of right. you know yeah one of the but can you buy something that's five hundred dollars right yeah I mean, that, that's the biggest harder, problem yeah. is they they got that price down so far yeah. which i agree was a great thing for a consumer product yeah but I think there's a market for a $500 device, and I don't know there is one. You know, knowing Microsoft, they probably knew this way before the light bulb went on over my head. (laughs) 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 But I I think the other thing is that remember (laughs) that the Kinect project is driven from Xbox. It's about gaming. And that's where it started in terms of, you know, Project Natal being very focused on how do we enable the Xbox to have eyes and ears and what can we do with that in terms of gaming. Right. And actually, there's a lot of things you can do, a huge number of things you can do in that arena yeah. that doesn't require you have this enormous bandwidth, enormous processing power. Right. You can do some fairly rough, coarse-grained gestures and speech recognition that mm. works just great mm-hmm. yeah. in, in that environment. Uh, and then people, of course, unbox it. You know, all the geeks unbox it, plug it into their PC, and they're like, oh, what can I do with this? Oh, the resolution's not as good as I want in order to do finger manipulation so right. I can control, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, rewiring a, right. a, a, a you know, a motherboard. I want right. to do surgery remotely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're not there, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Surface adds an interesting layer to this. I mean, Kinect is clearly this 10-foot experience model. Right. Uh, and that's the sensor as much as anything else. 
Yeah. I'm always fascinated, especially with the with Surface Two, which now price is getting better, size is getting better. And you remember when we thought Surface Two was so revolutionary we couldn't even talk about it like when this comes out oh my this all we got and then connect it's yeah. like <laughs> you know what surface 2 is out what what you've seen what but the no. two of them together mm-hmm. seems really interesting i mean you, you you your video talks about that sort of seamless story right. that the surface has the role of taking uh, of associating other devices and providing a display there but what's the relationship to it and the connect in that and it, before you answer that Let's talk about Surface 2, because I think this is the first time we've talked about it on .NET Rocks. Yeah, absolutely. If you, for folks who have not heard of Surface 2, maybe you need to bring us up to speed. Yeah, okay. Um, Surface 2, 40-inch screen. Um, the previous Surface 1 was a 30-inch screen. It's uh, The previous Surface was two feet deep. Yeah. Surface 2 is four inches deep. Okay. So it's a massive improvement in terms of technology. Well, and, um, and as I understood, Surface One was that deep because it needed room for the cameras. cameras. Right. There's a focal length issue in that we used in Surface One, Microsoft really used traditional camera technologies, right, um, which need a focal depth, and and also the the screen was rear projected from a short throw projector, which needs a certain yeah. short throw is not that short throw is that yeah. right, yeah. and so there needs to be a certain depth there. Um, and in many ways, Surface One had had a lot of great things going for it in terms of, you know, it was a solid box. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we put them into schools, into quite a few different schools around the world, and they're almost indestructible. Yeah. I mean, we had they seven, survived seven eight-year-olds jumping on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's not many screens you can do that <laughs> no, with. Right? In fact, we had two outs in Shanghai at World Expo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they said something crazy, like a million visitors every two weeks were touching those tables. Wow. And we didn't get a single support call. Not wow. That's great. Never broke them. It never broke. In fact, they shipped them back and we I unboxed them, switched them on, and they worked. Wow. <laughs> so Surface 2 doesn't have cameras? So Surface 2 doesn't have cameras. It uses a, a different technology called Pixel Sense, which um, has an array of sensors embedded into the screen. Mm-hmm. And so as you put your hand down or put an object down on the table, it collates all of that information from that array of sensors and then uses that to generate essentially a raw image that's very similar to the image we would have had with the cameras in the wow. version one device. Wow. Yeah. That to me is the most magical thing about a Surface 2. They had to invent a whole new technology to make right. this possible. Yeah. But it, and it has the same capabilities as Surface 1. Like, Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a vision-based system again. And wow. That's, that's the trick. And that's, you know, to answer your question, that's the connection that we make between all the stuff, Surface stuff we're doing and the Connect stuff is it's vision-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in many ways, I think... You know, everyone is talking about touch. Touch is the new touch or whatever it is, right? Yeah, touch yeah. is the new black. Everyone's got to have a touch device. Right, you've got right. to be able to swipe everything and, and, and you've got to use pink pinch gesture. Touch, in many ways, I think, is the precursor to vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because once you have vision, you can take over a whole... You can do touch with vision. I sure. can see someone's touching something. Right, right. But you can then go a whole set further. You can start recognizing objects. Right. You can start doing things like facial recognition. You can go, oh... Well, I know it's Carl touching this, right. or I know it's Richard touching right. this. Right? Yeah. And now we're starting to get somewhere. Now we're starting to get identification of who's doing the touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's huge. It, it is. You yeah. think about that. That's actually massive. It's yeah. it, it, there's a number of things, number of scenarios that suddenly open up when I know 
I have a computer screen that's being interacted with by three people, and I know who those people are. So what if I put on a full-length Richard suit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one, you'll probably get it. <laughs> you can fool the machine. <laughs> I have a way with words. No, I, I, a full-length Richard suit. You uh, probably don't need the full length. <laughs> Just the face mask will do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't fit into the full-length Richard suit. Nice. I like. I, I love the idea of being able to flick off, do the the flicking gesture off the surface onto the the oh, yeah. the upright screen. Right? right. That sort of relationship movement. Just well, I think it's 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 really about connecting all our devices together. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing more than stuff we've been dreaming about and trying to do for years. Right. I, I remember really early days i mean this was you know pre the you know the 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 ease at which we set up a land nowadays and i had two commodore pet computers yeah two commodore what pets oh pets yeah one had three one had 2k and one had 8k <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that yeah. was kind of there was no concept of networking yeah no you know no, we, were lucky I, to, we were lucky things ran right <laughs> but i had this vision that why can't they talk to each other? Right. So I remember, you know, getting out the soldering iron and building things to plug them together and actually getting signals going between them. And I built a little network. Mm. And people were like, why do you want to do that? What's the, I mean, what's yeah, the big yeah, deal? Yeah, well, what, are you, what are you doing now? Well, what's the point in that? But to me, it was the obvious thing. You know, if I, if I have a tape drive on one machine, I want to be able to read stuff on the other machine from yeah. that tape drive. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, in those days, the the... the the time it took to do was just crazy. You know, you'd you'd say, okay, start loading this document or whatever it was, and you'd go and come, go and have lunch, and come back, and you might be halfway done. <laughs> so I want to jump back to the point we we were talking about. You know, you bring the device into the room, into that meeting room, and you need to know that device is in the room. Right. So are we basically talking about a Wi-Fi node that only covers that room? So that machine has to hop into this node or an yeah. airfield. Yeah, you, th- there's lots of ways of doing it. And mm-hmm. in fact, the the simplest way of doing it is actually using some kind of asset tag to know that the device is right. in the room by putting it down on a vision-based table. Yeah, so if every device has this unique tag, and that's one of the things Surface did is you, you I don't know, there was uh, thousands of combinations. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and so once it can see that tag, it's sort of, okay, you're in this room with that machine. Right. That machine's already a part of my network, so now that I know which one it is, I know how to talk to it. Obviously, the software on the device as well as software yeah, in the so room. Yeah, so there needs to be some software on the device. Mm-hmm. And that identifies, you know, so you can send a message to the device and the device wakes up and says, hey, okay, I'm on the table. What shall I do now? Right. So we haven't really talked that much about RFID, but that's a, a pretty obvious identification. Yeah, so there's RFID, technology. there's NFC, there's a whole bunch of technologies that you yeah. can use to do that as well. Um, but mostly people want to go low tech on this stuff. Yeah. Right? They don't want to have to put an RFID tag on every single device. Right. That, but if you have an asset tag, why not an RFID tag? Yeah, I mean, it, it is similar. a little bit more pricey. And if you're an yeah. enterprise that's, you know, shipping out 10,000 new phones yeah. each year or every two years Got or whatever, it. It, it start, you know, it does add up. And people are looking at, you know, reducing costs, not increasing costs. Have you, um, have you played around with augmented reality at all? Yeah, a little bit. In fact, you see a tiny little piece of that in, in the video where you can see me standing in that space. So yeah. in that virtual space, I'm, I've got the tablet in my hand, but I'm standing on the big screen yeah. in that space in some kind of proportion so I can get an idea of how I would fit into that space. That's crazy. Um, and, and that's using Connect again because Connect has got standard cameras as well as the IR camera, yeah. right? So we can pick up an image of me and place me into a virtual 
environment yeah. on, on the screen. But you move yourself around the environment using the tablet. You can, or you can use gestures. Right. So you can, you know, move left, move right, um, yeah, enter into a space. Right. So. Yeah. And, and it's, but it's useful to be able to see yourself in the space, not just as if you're looking through your eyes. Right. But actually uh, you know, seeing your body proportion. Some context of how big am I next yeah. to the staircase or how big am I next to the shelf? Mm-hmm. You know, did we make it so all the shelves are three foot off the floor or 20 foot off the floor? Right. Okay. So let's get into some meat of programming here for our developer audience. How difficult is it to like walk up to a machine with Visual Studio and the Connect SDK and dream up a gesture, and now I want Connect to recognize it? What is the process for going through that? And is it something mere mortals can do, or do I have to be a math whiz? Do I have to be Mark Miller to figure out how to do this? <laughs> or Depends on your gesture. If you're ge- <laughs> now, I, and I'm serious, because okay. if your gesture is simply, I'm going, my, I need to track my left hand has a delta movement of a certain... Okay. That's actually quite easy, right? Because you're just looking, where does the left hand start when you start recognizing it? And where does it finish when you stop seeing it? So it's right? a matter of recording endpoints? So, well, or recording pace as well, right? So you've got, a, you've got a speed that it's happening at. So you've got movement. So you can track all the joints of the body and you can track and you'll get uh, an event every time they move. Okay. So you can say, oh, well, within this time frame, I've had this hand move this distance okay. to the right or up or down. Has so anybody, now I will trigger a behavior. Has anybody come up with a like a macro recording system so I could say, here's my event, start, and then move, and then that's and record that and match it against in Not other that words. I know of. Not that I know of. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah, I can think an, of problems with that right yeah. away, but but it it's would be It's an interesting be. idea for sure. But, I mean, you can get much more complicated gestures, and that's when you start to need to get smart with maths. I mean, if you right. want to say, did a person draw a circle in the air? Yeah. Well, you're going to need to recognize that as, as a shape and then yeah. say, was it a circle or was it, you know, a and line? And what's your, what's your margin of error? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody's circle is the same. Heck, exactly your own circle right. won't be the same. And yeah. that's where you really have to get into calculus and, that's and all where that you stuff. And that's where you start getting small image processing required. Yeah. Well, and there, there are some people who have done some stuff. There's some libraries up on CodePlex that, you know, start down this path. Of, of doing this. So there's some gesture libraries that people have started putting together. Get back gesture to that, uh, libraries. Yeah, get back to that augmented reality idea, the idea that I could lasso an object in space. Right. And then now that's what I pick up. I mean, those are complicated gestures that then equate to complicated events inside the app. Right. Well, you have to then know, certainly if you're in a 3D space, but even in a 2D space, what is it that's behind this gesture that I'm making? Right. right? And then what am I interacting with? And, you know, there's simple things you can do, like my hand is over a button for 20 seconds, therefore the button is pushed. Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot, like yeah. Connect for Xbox has yep. that kind of hold gesture. Right. That right? then you see the little circle go around and it's considered a push in many ways or a tap of the screen. Yeah. Because um, an actual push is hard to capture? The, it's actually not that hard to capture, but there's it's an, an extrapolation, issue. extrapolation, right? Right. Well, you could, we, we get the Z. So we know yeah. we have depth. We know you. Perception. We know you pushed your we hand forward. We know you pushed your hand forward, but it's how much, right? And and at what point does this make sense? Like, we've done quite a few experiments. In fact, in my session this afternoon, I'm going to talk about a bunch of those. Um, as to you know what makes sense is my hand is this far from my head and about moving f- towards the camera. Is yeah. it now a push or is it now a push? Right. You know, and, right. and then if I see someone over there and I say, hey, 
oh shit, I pushed the button that blew right, everything exactly. up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So especially, you know, and I, I've done some speech recognition development, and I know this is a problem as well. I actually wrote a speech develop, uh, speech recognition thing for my car. And rather, because here's the problem in the car, everybody knows that you can do it. So now everybody's shouting out commands uh-huh. and trying to confuse it. So I basically took a little mouse and Velcroed it to the the, so, the the middle of my car. So it's only listening when I'm pushing down on the mouse. Right. You know. Oh, nice. So, I mean, you can think about ways in which to do that. You have a sort of a master trigger, which allows right. everything else. Maybe it's a foot pedal. You know, maybe yeah, it's and a, I think that's the other thing is that you know, don't don't think about. And again, I'm going to talk more about this in my session this afternoon. But don't think about Connect as a single entity. Yeah. Don't think about Surface as a single entity. Don't think about phone as a single entity. Right. You know, there's too many people just building an app that's just for phone. Right. Yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Grape City. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Boss comes and says, "Sales are up this week." I'm taking everybody out to lunch. Awesome. Next day, uh, we're taking a loss. What happened? Well, you're a developer. You can create a report. So you go to your boss and say, okay, what should I report on? And they have no idea. Well, here's the good news. Active analysis from Grape City Power Tools empowers your boss, the money guys, so they can find the answers to their own questions. And the best part is, it's a control. Completely self-contained BI. Using a drag-and-drop interface, users can easily discover trends in the data, and more importantly, the deviations from those trends through its powerful graphical analysis capabilities. Development against the control is easy. All you have to do is provide the data. Active analysis will take care of the aggregation, grouping, filtering, and sorting for the user. Of course, it offers programmatic control of all these operations, too. So if you want more company lunches, do your boss a favor. Use Active Analysis. For a free evaluation, please go to gcpowertools.com slash analysis. And don't forget to thank Grape City for being a great sponsor of .NET Rocks. You've got to think about how it fits into the whole ecosystem of devices right. and things that people have in their pockets, in their bags, in yeah. their home, on their desk, in their kitchen, in yeah. their lounge area, in their meeting room spaces, whatever. And the, the, the range is huge and diversifying fast. I mean, it, it really, you know, everyone says, oh, when are we going to get this situation where we just have one device? <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah, I think we're going the other way. We're totally going more the other way. And more yeah. and more devices. Yeah. And I don't need... know that you want to go to one device. Yeah, yeah why would you? Right. I mean, I want my one device that I carry around with me to do all the things that I need to do when I'm walking around. Right. That's maybe where that impulse came from. But certainly, blowing the doors wide open is more fun, you know? Well, but I, and I like the idea that when you take that device, uh, typically a phone, when I, when I get home, it attaches to my home network. Yeah. Right. And behaviors change. I'm yes. in a different place now. now there are different things I need to do. to your home or whatever it is. Yeah, it becomes right. contextually smart. And what it really comes down to is I don't have to plug into iTunes to get my photos onto my PC. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. We remember well, the- <laughs> I mean, Mesh, you know, I worked with the Mesh team on some of this stuff. This was a dream that we had, you know, three, four years ago mm-hmm, with, yeah. with Mesh was to to really enable a bunch of that. And uh, I think we're starting to see more of it within, you know, the Windows 8 timeframe yeah. with... Um, some of the things we're seeing in terms of connectivity between devices and mm-hmm. the SkyDrive being used as, as a as kind of your your 
your storage for everything mm-hmm. so yeah. that, you know, I'm taking pictures on my phone, they're in SkyDrive. Right. And then I get home and I bring up my media center. Well, of course, it's connected to my SkyDrive account too and there's right. all my photos. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thing about, oh, I walk into my house and suddenly my device connects and uploads everything. Why do you even need to walk into your house? Right. Why uh, I've got a connection here. Got Why can't I just be uploading right now? Right. You obviously don't live in Canada where mobile data rates are worse than Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> they have mobile data in Canada? <laughs> yes, they do. Just nobody can afford it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you have to pay a certain number of beaver pelts every month yeah. to get that service. Uh, or blankets. Like two to one. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that, when, one of the issues yeah. is th- those kinds of things. And in different parts of the world, I mean, I'm, I it pick is. on Canada because I'm there and right. I'm dying. It's hard living next to the U.S. with your unlimited data plans. Yeah, right. you know, because we don't have them, yeah. or what we do. You well, know. I don't think well, there's many left in the U.S. now. Yeah, either. there's a few that are still left over that people have, but uh, that seems to be reducing. Well, there are houses for sale in uh, New London. I can vouch for that. Richard. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, it's very easy to get lost in a, in a in a very little enclosure. I was in the Bay Area last week talking to a number of tech companies who who live in this little bubble, and it's not California. Yeah, no. it's not the USA. No, it's not the world. It's Silicon Valley. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, where you can Twitter to order food. I mean, nowhere else in the world can you do that, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're totally lost. Twenty-five yeah. miles in any direction, it all goes away. Right. You're either in the ocean or you're in San Jose. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> you're you're out of it. Right. Right. But in that little area, yeah. you know, it's working differently, and I yeah. think it's it's hard. And I think out I the think world. Microsoft struggles with the same thing. You know, you go to Red and you're in this little bubble you're in the Redmond bubble right. yeah. where all this stuff seems to work and everything's right. connected yeah. and you know you drive an hour north and you say network and they look at you funny you know it's like yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> but, and I mean you're largely in Australia how connected yeah. are they? Um, metropolitan areas very connected yeah. and in fact we've had a whole political the national of, broadband thing national broadband and area. it all goes yeah. to New Zealand doesn't it? Well, that's the, the undersea cable, but right. has national broadband actually happened? Uh, you know what? I really don't know. It's got so confusing now. Right. I have no idea. Nobody where really knows where it's at anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, essentially, that's about connecting people that are outside the metropolitan yeah. areas right. to high-speed networks. Now, hopefully, the, the follow-on from that will be that high-speed networks will get distributed into the sub- suburbs of metropolitan areas mm-hmm. as well. But it's pretty good. I mean, I, I don't live right in Sydney in the town I live uh, you know, a little bit north. Um, obviously, I have a, you know an ADSL two at home. I, I get a ferry into work. I get on the ferry. There's Wi-Fi on the ferry. Yeah, um, it's free Wi-Fi. It's part of the public transport system. I get you know, I have maybe have ten minutes getting to the ferry and ten minutes getting from the ferry to my workplace. That I'm not Wi-Fi connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's pretty connected. But the, and the answer seems to be we're just going to have connections everywhere. Yeah. And our devices are going to seamlessly hop from one connection to the other. Yeah, and we're already doing that in many ways mm-hmm. in these little bubbles, right? So, you know, in the bubble of Sydney that I live in, I'm getting some of this. In the bubble of Redmond that a bunch of Microsoft people live in, they're getting some of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the bubble of the Bay Area and, and, you know, Palo Alto, Mountain View, they're getting some of this. And this stuff will slowly spread out. 
Yeah. A, a lot of it's about pricing, let's face it. It's about yeah. pricing and, and distribution. Well, and in reality is, you know, like a Wi-Fi chipset and a basic processor stuff, they're getting pretty darn cheap. Right. I really do want my dishwasher to have an IP address. Well, I just saw Nokia is sponsoring Wi-Fi across London or central area of London yeah. or something. I mean, for the games, that's awesome. I mean, that's free. No, no, you just switch on. Ooh, there, there it is. Are. I want to yeah. get us back to this idea of connected multiple devices. And one of them is a, uh, a system, again, you know, I, I like to credit Scott Hanselman for showing me all these cool things because he seems to find them before anybody else does. He's the king of toys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, is the, what is this technology that um, you can install on multiple computers and then just move your mouse from one computer to the other? Oh, there's a few of those. Yeah, so, so, one yeah, so Microsoft has one. I'm trying to remember what it's called. But internally, Microsoft has had it for a while. Um, and it, it actually has been pushed out now. I can't remember what it's called All now. Right. But, so you know what I'm talking about. But where it's, you can, it's you have a single mouse and keyboard, yeah. and then using software, you can move that mouse across different screens. In and different it's, yeah, screens. exactly. Yeah, and as yeah. soon as I'm over there, my there, keyboard there's, is there's working on There's been an open source yeah. version of that called right. Synergy. Synergy 2 That's or what something Synergy. for a long time. That's the old one. I mean, Microsoft's got a newer one. Right. right. The old Synergy one, I used it across my machines, and it had its quirks, but it, so it, my it worked. My question is, Kinect seems like an obvious way to do this with gestures instead of the mouse just mm -hmm. uh, you know especially from picking up and moving objects and data from one machine to another right uh, an easy way to just bring all those machines into one place and have them just completely mm -hmm. interact so in fact one of the experiments i showed in this afternoon session is is using connect to turn connect into a mouse so i can use one of my hands and i can move my mouse around the the the, the result from that experiment is that the standard windows interface is not great for Kinect, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Because the standard Windows interface is actually not great for touch either. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a mouse is incredibly fine grained. Yeah, right? I mean the understanding that the person building the user interface has is that the user has incredible hand to eye coordination and a very steady hand. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know you have this tiny box that's like four pixels by four pixels, and that's your close button. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? Try hitting it with your finger. Right. And, and our expectation is that you you are good enough, you are skilled enough with this strange external device to get your little cursor over that and click a button at the yeah, same right. time. And believe it or not, there's a number of people who just can't do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I remember watching my daughters it. learn it. Right. Because it's it's very counterintuitive, and it especially is. that idea of don't look at your hand while you're moving it. Right. You've got to look at the screen for it to make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's a very odd metaphor that we we've just forgotten that we had to learn it one time right. or another. Well, yeah, and and the interesting thing is definitely children, but older people too that have never used a computer. Sure. Well, and actually, it gets harder because they don't have the the capacity to learn that fast. Right. And also, they may not have the steadiness of their hands. Well, then you get back to your whole thing about actually pushing with the Kinect. Right. Holding your hand still. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah, and I think it's still easier than very precisely moving it right. a certain amount forward. And in fact, it's one of the advantages Kinect has of being coarse-grained. Mm -hmm. Because Kinect is not fine-grained, then you start thinking, well, I better build my interfaces coarse-grained. Right, right. And well, if your interfaces are coarse-grained, then my hand can be doing this. Yeah. Be shaking. And I'm fine. Yeah. Shaky, Well, yeah. now we get... We walked ourselves into Metro, haven't we? Is that what that's what Metro's all about? <laughs> well, and before, yeah. and before we get there, my next question was: Is WPF the platform for this? For doing Connect, for doing Touch, for doing Surface Two? Is there anything else that? Is there anything else that we should be looking at? Is Metro gonna take over that space? 
Well, you can build you Metro in WPF mm-hmm. to answer the you know, question the wrong way around. WPF is definitely a, a primary development tool yeah. for doing this. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, interestingly, for a number of things we're doing, we're not doing WPF. So a lot of the stuff we show in the video is XNA or DirectX. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and that's all around performance and specifically for that scenario with 3D models of architectural buildings, yeah. 3D in WPF is not as fantastic as it could be. Okay. Whereas 3D, you know, XNA, DirectX. That's, it's made for 3D. That's, it's, yeah. it's a 3D rendering pipeline. Right, right. You know, switch it on. So, you yeah. know, we've been using a lot of lower-level gaming-type technology. It's more difficult code to write. It's much more difficult. But you get higher performance. Right. Okay. And did you hear about Tim Huckabee's uh, adventures? Well, Internology's adventures (laughs) with uh, Metro and Connect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing some clever tricks to pass Connect information through a socket Mm -hmm. as a service basically running on desktop to enable his WinRT layer to use Connect. Right. Um, it's interesting. It's an experiment right now. Right. Whether or not that's going to be something that's shippable, we just don't know. Well, and it, well, we would hope. I would think that when Metro finally comes yeah. to light, there'll be a, a Connect SDK. That's what for we it. hope. I mean, why wouldn't there be? Why really? wouldn't there be? Yeah, that's I don't crazy. know. I, I can't answer that. I really just don't know. You know, yeah. things don't always happen the way we want them to, and sometimes they take longer. I mean, they're different teams at Microsoft working on different things, right? right? So the Windows team is very focused on shipping Windows and yeah. WinRT. They're not focused on how do we enable this for Connect. Right. Good enough. Now, there might be people there that do care about it. I just don't know. But we get back to this whole thing that the gesture and Metro seem to go together pretty nicely. They do. Um, I think, you know, having large-scale interfaces mm-hmm. that are fairly simple, high contrast, and that's a lot of what we're doing, so you can clearly see them. Um, it does work well for... I, I think. I think there's some nomenclature issues with... You know what is Metro? Because we talk about Metro on the phone, we talk about Metro on right. Windows right. 8, and and actually, what Metro really is is just a set of design principles. Right. Right. right? And, yeah. and so, what we're really phone, talking about here is WinRT so or Metro really, yeah, style exactly. apps, is what they like to say. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Or the Metro style apps, or the or the or the you know the Windows runtime shell. Yeah. That's on Windows 8. Yeah. Um, and and they're different things, and and they mean different things to different people. I think. You know, the pendulum swings one way and then the other. And and right now what we're seeing is within Microsoft, the pendulum swing right towards Metro and everything's Metro. Do you right. remember when .NET came out? Oh, sure. Everything was .NET. Right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, Windows was going to be Windows. Yeah, com is dead, right? Right, but uh, every product, it was going to be Office.net. Yeah, it was going to be SharePoint.net, <laughs> yeah. right? And, I know. And, and we're just saying, we I, tend I to think suck in seeing, the, the hype way too much. Right, yeah. we're seeing yeah. the same thing with Metro, right? Yeah. So, so everything's going to be Metro. The right. website is Metro. We've got Metro MSDN. We've got... You know, Metro Windows, we've got Metro Phone, and it's like the pendulum will swing back to right. some happy medium where we understand that it's a design principle yeah. and we can use it where it makes sense right. and we won't use it for, you know, manipulating Excel spreadsheets and graphs. I, I think it just stands to illustrate the point that all these, all, everybody who's into technology is waiting for that one thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're waiting for that pipeline to the spiritual nirvana of technology that answers all questions, that does all things. And, you know, and uh, you know that's what keeps 
Microsoft in business. Yeah, selling. I think some people are. I think some people are hoping nothing ever changes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure it out. Leave me alone. I, I just worked this bit out, right? <laughs> I just got I unknown working, right? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with the 90s. Bring them back. Dr. Neil, this has been great. What do you, what do you, what's next for you? What are you uh, going to be working on next? So we're doing a, a few more Connect projects. We're actually quite closely engaged with the Connect team in Redmond now. I'm um, mm-hmm. doing some interesting things with them as well. Um, uh, what else are we doing? We're doing some other mobile developments, and we're doing more stuff about meeting room spaces. Yeah. So more focus on how we can help people integrate what they're doing in their meeting room space with yeah. all the devices they have in there right. cool. so that it becomes a much more seamless experience and actually a more efficient experience for that meeting. Meetings can happen faster with more results and more recording of what happened in the meeting if you use a little bit of smart software in that space. Very good. And you'll get the holo projector working too, right? Because that's the next piece that we're missing. Yeah, the holo That's off to Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Neil. You're welcome. Thank you. Dr. Neil Rudin, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.